My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. We're able to guide the, their customer as well to ensure that um, you know they're building something within their means, um, not stretching their budget. And, and at the end of the day, it, it's a great result for everyone. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset, and strategies. I'm Tyrone Sharm, and in this episode, we catch up with Loan Gallery finance mortgage broker Daryl Cracknell. He gives us important insights into buying land and building a new home, and explains the key differences of getting a construction loan rather than just merely a mortgage. We also take an inside look on the processes involved in mortgage broking. Cracknell has learned a great deal about property during his journey, changing careers from manufacturing to mortgage broking. The only thing, I guess what comes to mind at the moment is I remember starting off as a, when I first started as a mortgage broker, um, dealing with customers. And I guess obviously when you're new, when you're inexperienced, um, you, you can come over as, as a little bit nervous and which, you know, can imply that you may perhaps not know what you're talking about so much. So I guess I, I received a piece of advice from a mentor at that point in time just to, you know, just to fake it, just to fake it basically, just just pretend that you're a 10-year uh, veteran mortgage broker so it comes across as, you know, that you're confident and you're competent but I guess when I got to the point where I was just like talking to people as a person rather than as a mortgage broker trying to win their business, just being real to a person, I think that was an aha moment because then you sort of see people, you know, open themselves up, relax and, and feel more comfortable about telling you whatever it is that you need to know. Actually, I considered going into real estate as well myself. Um, and it's actually the first property that I bought, I actually sold it myself through Vendor Finance. Um, and going through that experience where I would bring people into the home, you know, show them around, you're selling, you're trying to sell your home. It was it's quite a exciting um, experience for me, you know, dealing, interacting with, with people. And I guess that's where I sort of thought real estate may be the way. Um, funnily enough, the, the first gig that I did get um, leaving, exiting manufacturing was with a company where it was sort of a dual role. You were, you were sort of, you were a mortgage broker, but you were mainly what you were doing is you were selling investment properties um, to people. And 
I guess having that dual role, uh, the the sales portion just didn't, I just wasn't comfortable with that. I'm not a salesperson, um, and I just enjoyed the the mortgage broking side of things much more because, you know, you just feel like that you're, you know, rather than trying to sell something to someone, you're actually on their side and you're actually trying to help them out um, rather than trying to sell a product. So that just sat with me more. So yeah, after. After about three years with that with that first company that I worked with as a mortgage broker, I did um, venture out, and that's where I found Loan Gallery because I just wanted to be purely a mortgage broker. I didn't really didn't want to sell um, properties. Going into more detail, he tells us about the function of his mortgage broking in respect to who he works with. One of the things that really attracted me to coming to Loan Gallery was was the amount of leads that they have. It, it's basically is you know we've. They've established a, a relationship with with Metricon, who are the biggest builder in in the country, um, and you know they've been working together for for the last nine years now, I believe, and that allows me to basically just focus on the finance side of things. Obviously, they've got Metricon's got their sales consultants who um, sell sell the homes and and can help their customers find land as well um, to build on. So, um, I guess that takes away that side of things from my end. And I guess with with that, what we're doing is, yeah, we do a lot of um, house and land loans. Um, so purchase of vacant land and construction loans as well. Um, obviously having that close relationship with Metricon and, you know, a lot of first home buyers as well um, come through that channel. So being able to help them. And again, with the journey that I've been on, it's it's something that I really enjoy doing just to make sure that they've got that guidance and they know exactly, um, you know, it's not about just getting excited with them it's about I try to sort of you know bring them back down to earth a bit and just let them know about the actual um, risks involved as well so that you know they're, they're going through this with their eyes wide open basically. Cracknell further explains the type of work his company and its collaborators do. Metricon's a builder, so you know they build residential properties. So if if anyone's you know looking to to build their own home that they want to live in, uh, Metricon is, as I mentioned earlier, the biggest builder in the country. So they'll be able to service that. Um, and, you know, to an extent, if you've already got your own land or if you're knocking down um, maybe your old your existing property and, and you want to build on your current um, block of land then you know they can also assist with that so anything to do with building residential property metricon can you know certainly there's a service there that they can provide and i guess how we tie in with with metricon is around predominantly around the, the finance side of things so you know from their perspective they they do a lot of work in terms of preparing contracts and going through you know their customers in terms of choosing all the the fixtures and finishings in in their home and the rest of it so i guess what they're looking for is just some peace of mind knowing that the customers that they're dealing with can qualify for finance at the end of the day um, because at the end of the day if, if they can't get that loan from the bank then metricon are unable to build um and yeah and i guess that's where we come along is you know we can we can not only give metricon that peace of mind in terms of you know, giving them the confidence that they're working with someone who can who can actually qualify and build a home. But obviously, we're able to guide the, their customer as well to ensure that, um, you know, they're building something within their means, um, not stretching their budget. And, and at the end of the day, it, it's a great result for everyone. He answers the question of why you would buy an empty piece of land and build on it rather than invest in an existing property. 
Aside from the obvious benefits that, you know, it's a brand new home. No one's ever lived in it before. Um, it's, there's, I guess, for first home buyers as well, there's, there's, there's some benefits in terms of being able to qualify for the government grant, the, the 10,000 first homeowners grant. Well, it is here in Victoria, I should say. Um, that's, that's purely for new properties. So if you're purchasing an existing property as a first home buyer, um, you won't be able to qualify for that. Also, in terms of you know, there's the stamp duty concessions as well that are applicable um, for first home buyers. So, I guess with here in Victoria, again, each state's going to be different. But here in Victoria, if you're purchasing an established uh, property above six hundred thousand, then that's where the concession sort of um, the hundred percent concession cuts off. There will be some stamp duty applicable. Um, but you know, if, if you're building a house and land package where you might be building something for eight hundred thousand, but as long as the land is less than six hundred, then you'll still be able to get that full stamp duty concession. Because I guess the the calculation or, or the dutiable value that the state government calculates is will be just on the land, the value of the land itself. So there's a saving there, um, and I guess that's also you know even if you're an investor, if if you're purchasing an established property then obviously there's stamp duty implications. Whereas if you're building house and land, again, the stamp duty is just calculated off the land value rather than the whole um, property price, which is once it's finished build, building. With an established property, yeah, you don't know what hidden surprises may be, may be in store for you, um, which could end up, yeah, costing, costing you even more. So absolutely, you know, the, the initial um, outlay w- would be less for, for, you know, purchasing a brand new property, uh, building a new home. Um, compared to purchasing established and, yeah, and just those surprises as well. Who knows what, you know, could be lurking in terms of um, things maybe breaking down, um, appliances and the rest of it, absolutely. Focusing in on the key demographic for his business, Cracknell goes through some of the mindset of clients he sees and speaks to. I would have to say majority is, is definitely home buyers, whether it's the first, second or third home. Um, it's had to be a strong majority that we see, to be quite honest with you. Um, in terms of investors, I've got a few um, clients of my own. I probably can't speak too much from, uh, I guess, a, a broad a broad sense, but I've, I've got a few customers of my own who who did build with Metricon initially and have come back and you know wanted to to purchase a, an establish sorry to, to build again for an investment, or what they do is they'll build a, an even bigger and better home, uh, maybe the dream home and keep their, their first home as and convert that into an investment. Coming up after the break, Cracknell explains the key differences of getting a construction loan rather than merely a mortgage on an existing property. You've got the one settlement basically where the funds are from your loan is basically goes to, to your purchase whereas with, with construction, it's sort of broken down into different stages. The phases his clients go through when considering their options. Some people will just buy the land first and sit on it for a little while. Um, ideally though, if, if you want to... Um, if you wanted to start building straight away, then you know you would apply. We would apply for a home loan. The patients needed to enter the property market. Those days are long gone, um, where you can just turn around and say, "All right, I'm going to buy a house today." Just you know, put in eight thousand, nine thousand. That's fine. It's a long-term goals. And that's next. I'm Taran Sham, and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey there, over the years I've built up a portfolio of properties and it's been great to see capital growth. 
But the challenge I face is the passive income has been quite poor, providing a net return of 3 to 4% per annum. I'd have to buy at least 10 properties or more to generate $100,000 per year. Now, if I had the cash to buy these outright, which I didn't, then I need the help of banks and as they wouldn't lend me more, I was stuck. This is when I start looking into alternative investments where I could use my equity and cash to generate 25 to 30% per annum returns and fast track my passive income goal. In a short space of two years, I've been able to achieve this goal and have tripled my passive income instead. Now, if you want to learn more on how I did this, SMS me your name and email address on 0488 88 31 32 and I'll send you a free report explaining how I did it. Cracknell continues to distinguish the processes of purchasing an existing property and purchasing land before building a property. I guess the main difference is compared to purchasing an existing property is there is with an existing property you've got the one settlement basically where the funds are from your loan is basically goes to to your purchase whereas with with construction it's sort of broken down into different stages and I guess the first stage is once once your land is settles um, I guess a portion of the loan will, will obviously go towards paying for whatever's whatever's left owing or whatever uh, the remaining purchase price is and then what the bank will do though is they will hold um, the funds back for construction. So they won't actually pay the builder until they've started um, progressing through through the build. And generally there's five different stages of the construction. Um, and I can go through them. There's The first stage is generally the base stage. Then you've got the frame um, where basically the builder will put the frame up of the house. And then you've got the lockup, where basically it's the, the property is considered locked up. So you know it have the it have your, your brickwork or whatever it is, and you've got your doors, so you can essentially lock up the house. Um, and then you've got fixtures or fixing, um, which is basically just the internal stuff, putting in um, all the walls and all the appliances, cabinetry, and those sorts of things. And then the last stage is completion. So. Generally, once once the builder completes each of those stages, they will send the customer an invoice for for the works done during that um, portion of the build, and then it's a matter of the of the customer who who basically would just need to give um, send that invoice to their bank and just give them confirmation that they're happy for the bank to to pay the builder, so the builder can continue on with 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 building their home, I suppose, and and we. We, we're there with our customers for that um, throughout that whole journey as well. So we're not just, you know, getting them approved and then see you later. We're, we're actually guiding them through the whole process too. So, yeah, it is a longer process. It's not just a, you know, one settlement and that's it. With this process in mind, he discusses the different approaches clients take, explaining how the operation of a construction loan works. Some people will just buy the land first and sit on it for a little while. Um, ideally, though, if, if you want to... Um, if you wanted to start building straight away, then you know you would apply. We would apply for a home loan for both the land and the construction at the same time. Um, in order for for the bank to give us an approval for that loan, though, we do need to provide them with a signed build contract. So you would have needed to have you know chosen all your fixtures and, and finishings, you know all the inclusions in your home. You, you would have needed to to finalise those things, your floor plans and the rest of it as well, uh, because yeah, the bank obviously needs to. We need to determine, um, you know, how much you are building for. They'll get valuations done on that as well. 
what it comes down to is is the LVRs, the loan to value ratio. So um, <clears throat> obviously, you know, if, you, if you're aiming to avoid lenders' mortgage insurance, then you need a 20% lend. But you would we're incorporating the the land value and the loan that you've taken out for the land in that as well, because obviously that falls under the same value um, for for that construction portion, I suppose. Um, so, and yeah, I guess it depends on different banks process things differently as well. So some banks will want to hold back the full amount um, in order to complete construction. So whatever it is that you needed to contribute would generally have to be contributed at land settlement. Um, but other banks do structure it differently where they will sort of require you to make a, a small contribution at the start of construction before they'll release funds um, to complete it basically. Each customer is going to be different, right? So everyone's going to be in a different circumstance. So some may be able to come up with a 20% deposit and avoid lenders' mortgage insurance, happy days. Some may have parents who'd be willing to provide a, a security guarantee. So I guess in those cases, they, they need minimal um, contribution. If they don't have the savings, they, they don't necessarily need to. Um, and then you've got, you've got, I guess, people who may struggle to come up with a minimum um, deposit. So, you know, so... We work closely with our customers over the long term as well. So, you know, a lot of a lot of our customers that we see are purchasing land that's not titling for 12 to 18 months, maybe even 24 months. And, and that may be just perfect and suitable for them because they may not have enough savings right now. But what we can do is we can, you know, give them an understanding of the numbers and, and put a savings plan in place that they can stick to. Um and basically, so by the time that the land is titled, then they've you know got the sufficient funds in their savings to to give them the best chance of qualifying for a home loan, basically. So, so yeah, it comes down to that. So it just comes down to the specific customer's circumstances and what they're capable of contributing. Different banks do process things differently. They have different processes. So, um, and it can become tricky where you know you've got banks who do require the loans to be split. Um, and yeah, it can make things a little bit, little bit more confusing. But I guess overall, in a sense, it's still the same thing if you're just looking at it from a, an overall picture. He shares with us his best tips for anyone considering building their home. Do the due diligence that I didn't do. Um, <laughs> speak to you know friends, family, but more more so the experts. So speak to a mortgage broker. Um, Preferably, preferably a mortgage broker who, who does specialise in the house and land space because I do come, what I come across a lot is is customers, first home buyers who may have gone to a bank and with, you know, maybe they've only got ten or 15,000 in savings at this point in time. And the, the response that they get is, you can't get a home loan right now, come back when you've got sixty or 70,000. So, you know, we, we can help those those people out if, if we can just show them the way, if we can just show them what sort of a savings plan um, they would need to they would need to employ in order to get them into a position because you know just saying save 60 70 thousand to someone is it's, it doesn't mean anything right and, and what, what we find is we, with our customers once they've actually committed to securing a house and land package and we put them on these savings plans they, they actually more often than not, they actually exceed what, what they initially thought that they were capable of saving because when, you, when you're not saving for anything in particular, it's just too hard. It, it just, you, might get, you might do okay for a little while, but then 
um, you know, things in life will happen. But once you've actually got something, a goal in mind that you're that you're aiming for, um, that that helps you achieve your goal, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, speak speak to the experts, speak to mortgage brokers, conveyances, get all the advice that you can um, before before taking that next step. Fifteen years ago, when I purchased my first home, those those days are long gone, um, where you can just turn around and say, "All right, I'm going to buy a house today." Just you know, put in eight thousand, nine thousand. That's fine. It's a long-term goal. So if you if you can find someone who's willing to show you how how to get there, then then you're well on your way. Cracknell mentions the books that have influenced his professional life and discusses the influence of his mentors when starting out in property. During the early days, when I was sort of looking at what to do, you know, the old classics, um, think and grow rich, um, rich dad, poor dad. Um, how to win friends and influence people. Those, you know, those classic books. They, they, you know, they get your, they get your mind on the right track, I suppose, in terms of um, heading in the right direction. But yeah, if you haven't read those books, they are classics. So um, get get a hold of those. The previous company I worked for, they they were really, you know, they were really pushing the the sales side of things in terms of the um, the psychology of your customers and all, all those sorts of things. So. You know, there was a couple of really great salespeople with that company that I learned a lot from. Um, I probably, you know, I don't regret working for that company because they did they did teach me a lot and they gave me that opportunity that I needed. Um, but I, I guess from those the mentors that I had there, I did I did take out take away a lot from um, how I guess just how they operated um, in terms of their professionalism. I suppose. If you could say something to yourself ten years ago, what would it be? And what are you excited about for the future? Get back into the um, investing side of things sooner, um, but I guess I was I was restricted in terms of you know starting out again, changing careers. So um, it would have been about ten years ago when I was actually you know considering changing careers because yeah, it, it was something that was um, you know in the back of my mind, sort of you know I wanted to do because it wasn't it wasn't an easy decision to make. Um, so it took it took a while to work up a bit of courage for me to actually take that leap. And to be honest with you, I wasn't until my son was born, um, and just looking at him one day and just realizing, okay, I've got to try something. I've got to take. I can't just do this forever. Um, so I think he, as he always has done since he's been born, just gives me the strength to 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 take those challenges on. So yeah. Property certainly, um, you know, there's a lot of doom and gloom reports out there at the moment in, in in the media in terms of where the property market's heading and the rest of it. But I mean, we've just been through a, a global pandemic, um, and you know that that couldn't slow down the property market. So, you know, no no doubt there's going to be a flat period. No doubt interest rates will rise, but there's still there's still going to be demand out there for properties. So, um, I'm really looking forward to yeah what what's in store over the next five years. Thank you to Daryl Cracknell, our guest on this episode of Property Investory. If you love the show and you're a wholesale investor wanting to learn more about how I got started in alternative investments, where I've been able to use my equity and cash to generate 25 to 30% per annum returns to fast track my passive income goal, then SMS me your name and email address on 048888. 
3132 to register your interest. Now, in a short space of two years, I've been able to achieve my goal and have tripled my passive income. To find out how, SMS me your name and email address on 04-88-88-31-32. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.